This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello, welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Now, big week on the show. Uh, We're going to cover off what on earth has happened to all my crypto. Uh, So I need need some help, Tom. (laughs) I need some help. Uh, Facebook apparently aren't paying enough tax. Pauline Hanson is blocking responsible lending legislation and apparently we're now bribing people to come back to the office of all things. But first, Thomas, before we get to all of that, I want to ask you, do you think the golden age of COVID is over? And when I say that, I mean the investing boom that seemed to come off the back of the big, the big COVID trough, it all sort of went up and now it's all heading back down again, most notably uh, Kogan this week yeah, Kogan uh, has come crashing back down to earth. Didn't Kogan have a shocker? Oh, dizzying highs through COVID, mm. uh, and now they've they've sort of come crashing back down to earth. And I just wondered, was this is this a Kogan related thing, or is this more of a uh, like a, a correction after after the craziness of COVID? Yeah, so it's a little bit a uh, little bit column A, a little bit column B. I've read a few analysts calling this the amphetamine cycle that we've seen. <laughs> Is that what we were yeah. all on? Well, there's a really sharp, uh, we've had like, we've gone through a full uh, market cycle, which usually takes years to play out in sort of mm. 18 months. There's sort of like the, the, the crash, right. the rebound, the blow off, the consolidation back to sort of where we are now. So think things sort of have have moved very very quickly and i think the covid story seems to be is part of that and that's feeding into what's happening with kogan is like there was a big adjustment early on and then a quick normalization that followed kogan i think did seem to overplay their hand they were talking about a once in a century opportunity yeah turns out it turns out it wasn't turns out well it was if they they just probably they just overcapitalized a bit didn't they they didn't they go out and hire a bunch of people they expanded Kind of like yeah. they, they just kind of committed to this being the new normal, and then we went, "No, nah, we, we're getting on top of it now." I mean, their sales boomed early on, but I think it, I think that was a bit of a lockdown effect with people people mm. staying home and and needing to you know fit out their one of their large screen TVs. People needed to fit out their home offices, that sort of thing, and because there's no you know physical retail, they went online. 
and and bought that stuff. So it was a, it was, it was a boom for Kogan in those early days. I think what they did is then looked at that and went like, okay, this is the paradigm shift to retail to online retail. Uh, in store retail is dead. From from here on in, it's all online retail. And this is what the future looks looks like. And then they did all of their projections and their plannings based on that assumption, which meant uh, they bought a huge bunch of stock. So they got a huge inventory and they went and it started expanding their warehousing and um, all this to deal with this anticipated boom in demand. But the, that seems to have tapered, the, you know, demand side doesn't seem to have come through as much as they were expecting but they're but they're back down. They're back down lower than they were pre-COVID. Is that just taking into account the fact that they kind of they did spend too much and now they're kind of in a hole? I mean, not in a hole. They got heaps. Of <laughs> they're still pretty massive, aren't they? But yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they've got they've got challenges now. Like they've got like they've got. Oh, I forget the term now. Demurge or whatever it is. It's a funny word. But they've demerger. No, not no, 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 not a demerger. Oh. That's the only word I know that sounds like that. It's a fee you have to pay when your um, stuff is stuck on the docks and you haven't moved it to your warehouses yet. Ah. So they've bought up, bought up a whole bunch of stuff from China and wherever and it's now stuck at the docks, but they haven't um, built enough warehouse space yet and the warehouse space hasn't come online enough. And so they're now paying, effectively paying rentals, rental space at the docks for their, for their gear. Um, and that was a huge they just expense. Need to send a heap of those go boxes there, or whatever they're called, those little portable storage <laughs> units. <laughs> Can we just put these up here, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And plus, and plus, the costs wow. are rising. Like, like the you know consumer goods, the prices going up. There's the micro you know shortage of chips and electronic good prices are going up. So their margins are getting squeezed. Mm. Um, so they're they're copying it on a few fronts. So they've ex- so they've expanded rapidly. It hasn't been a smooth expansion. They've you know I don't know. I'm guessing they've gone into debt to sort of fund that expansion. Yeah, and it hasn't sort of played out mm. well. So you know maybe there are they are in a worse position than they were pre-COVID, and the and the share price is reflecting that. But let's not, I mean, you shouldn't probably get too caught up on, you know, minute-to-minute movements. What's, what's, what's... <laughs> I'm all about the minute-to-minute movement. Was it, was it... I must check myself. Uh, Benjamin, Benjamin's growing great line. Like in the short run, the stock market is a voting machine and in the long run, it's, it's a weighing machine. So like it does a, does a good job in the long run of... The, st- the share price does a good job in the long run of reflecting a company's value, but in the short run, it's all about popularity. Right. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Mm. Um, I side note, I did buy into. The, I I was with Kogan, if that's where he, if that's where he was. Um, I bought some. Uh, it's an ETF because I like to buy responsibly. Right? I like to diversify my investments because I'm smart like that. <laughs> um, so I've picked this this uh, online retail ETF in the United States called iBuy, um, who was just going like through the roof because they were basically just all these online retail companies. And I was on board with Kogan. I was like. This is the paradigm shift online retail. We're never going back. We've got like pensioners signing up with like for like in new internet connections at their house just so they can shop online. <laughs> They've never been online before. They're buying TVs and couches and I like this is we're not going back from this, you know. But turned out we went back from that. <laughs> that ETF is now fair way down off what it uh, where it peaked. That's for sure. Yeah, but it's it's still it's still up. Yeah, like I I got in on that one as well. It's on my recommendation, wasn't it? Yeah, it's done pretty well. That's right. It was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think, and I think it has it has it has accelerated a bunch of changes 
that are, that are permanent. But I think mm. the, the mistake was that we, people thought that the, the boom in demand that happened was a sort of a COVID lockdown story and people went, okay, I'm using this opportunity to sort out my tech gear and get the new TV and all of that. Um, yeah. That, so, so it pulled forward a bunch of demand that'll sort of smooth out. But I, th I think in the long run, it has created a permanent shift in the way we do stuff. Mm. So I'm still, I'm still, I'm hodling that one. You're hodling that one. Well, speaking of hodling, Thomas, uh, <laughs> a lot of people are hodling this week because crypto, and we can talk about Bitcoin, Bitcoin uh, tanked over the past few days. I think it's down, it's down hovering around $32,000, I think was the last number I heard about the mm. US. Um, it was up, what, 60,000, 70,000 at one point? Given, um, yeah, given it a nudge, yeah. So 30-odd 30, 30 percent at least it's come down from. Uh, question is, Thomas, uh, what do I do now? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, look, I, I, reckon, I reckon, so this, so this all, I mean, the ridiculousness of this is it started with Elon Musk tweeting mm. that you can now no longer buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. Mm. So that window of opportunity to buy Tesla with a Bitcoin was all of about two months. It's now closed. And that's caused the market to crash. But I think, and there, oh, there, and there was some regulation out of China. Is that just so he could focus his efforts on, on the Doge rocket to the moon? Is it like there's a spaceship <laughs> oh, in building as well? I, fair enough. He's, he can't be managing selling Teslas with Bitcoin and building a space rocket out of Dogecoin. Yeah. Oh, no. Can you imagine being Tesla's CFO? Just like comes down from the top. I want you to buy $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. So, oh, okay, okay. That's a lot. It's like, I'm going to tweet and crash the Bitcoin market. <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> can, can you wait till I offload some of this? No, we're not allowed to sell it. I'm no, tweeting yeah. that too. <laughs> and then this afternoon, we're building a spaceship. We're going we're gonna to pay for it with Doge. What? Where did we get Doge from? <laughs> sell some Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. Oh man, can you imagine? Yeah, so, but I think I think the thing is that so Bitcoin has been trading on a promise, the promise mm. that someday it will become either currency or a store of a store of value. Yeah. But no, neither of those things are realised yet. You can't really, you know, practically buy anything with Bitcoin. It hasn't been stable enough for long enough to be a store of value. So it's a, it's the promise that it's going to be one day be those things. It's not stable at all. Like it. <laughs> 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 stable enough for long enough. It hasn't been stable for any longer than about five minutes. It plateaued somewhere in 2019 around the bottom there. And after that... <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's trading on the promise. But now mm. I think I think, it, I think Musk has caused everybody to look beyond Bitcoin and saying, like, there isn't actually a future for Bitcoin. Um, well, that's changed his tune, though, hasn't he? I mean, it was all about the Bitcoin... A month ago yeah yeah but I, th I think it's it's a sort of it was a naive view a lot of people saw it as a naive view like mm. i mean it's it's weird backing dogecoin which you know is a you know he's he's not backing down on doge either so yeah who knows what's going on he's but, just mess he's messing with the markets surely it's unregulated it's unregulated it's the wild west mm. and he's doing what he mm. wants fair play to him if I had however many million followers, I'd be tempted yeah. to sway the market as well. Yeah, if you could crash a market for 50% with one tweet, yeah. as if you wouldn't. <laughs> In an unregulated market where there's like no, there's, there's, no one, there's no one watching over what happens, then... Mm. Um, but isn't that part of the issue too, that China's cracking down on it now? So China came out and said they're, they're banning cryptocurrency, which 
I think they they didn't really allow it anyway. But yeah, um, but now yeah. they're like, no, nah, it's it's over. Yeah, a number of headwinds for Bitcoin. But but I think I think I think this this is a maturation point in the crypto space to the extent that I think now with Elon Musk looking beyond Bitcoin and going like, okay, I was excited by Bitcoin for a while, but now I see it has these fundamental problems, mm. primarily tied to its proof of work basis, which means it's it's hugely energy intensive, more more energy than Sweden now to run the Bitcoin network. That's not sustainable. And there are already a number of better alternatives. So if you believe there's a crypto future where it's, you know, crypto it accounts for the bulk of global commerce, um, that's not a Bitcoin reality. That's that's something else. Mm-hmm. And so now I think the crypto market will transition away from Bitcoin to this is okay. This is my bold prediction. I think Bitcoin crashes, and from here this is the end of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin peaks. I don't think we get a higher peak than than this in Bitcoin. Mm. And but I don't think this is the end for crypto. And I think we'll move to alternatives to Bitcoin, particularly, and we'll move away from proof of work. To something like yeah. proof of stake or something proof like that, and I think I, th- I think that's the next the next move in the market. That's my prediction. Other bold prediction is I think we'll come back quite quickly. So that in the last crash in in two thousand and seventeen, it took three three odd years for the market to recover. Mm. That 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 crash happened at a time where people didn't know if the market will recover. This time around, I think people do know have that expectation because they've seen history play out. They've seen the 2017 crash and rebound. I think now they will expect a crash and a rebound, but that rebound will happen. We're not going to have to wait three years for that to happen. I think that'll happen sometime, you know, in the third quarter. Is That's my other bold prediction. You did, uh, I think, earlier in the year. I don't know if it was on, might have run out. Well, you've been a, you've been a bear of Bitcoin for um, well, as long mm. as it's been around, really. I think you said it was going to go mm. to either five... It, was gonna was it five thousand dollars? You said at the start of the year. I said, I said yeah. I think I said five thousand was for Bitcoin was as likely as a hundred thousand. Yeah, well, that's not a bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, no, no, let's say let's say five thousand. My bold prediction is is Bitcoin is going to move. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, I've been. I have. I have. I have been famously skeptical on Bitcoin, mm. but I stand by it. I feel vindicated. Before we get to a break, uh, I just did want to talk to you about Facebook's tax situation. Um, mm. Some concerns, Thomas, in the uh, in taxation circles that maybe Facebook aren't paying enough tax in Australia. Is that mm. is that fair? Aud- auditors are grim. They have a, they got their grim face on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. We, yeah. So Facebook. Paid Facebook Australia mm. paid twenty million dollars tax. That's a lot. Yes, yes, it is. But Facebook extracted from the Australian market seven hundred odd million dollars. Right. Um, so of the total revenue that they paid, not a lot mm. coming back to Australia. So it kind of, they have this reseller agreement effectively where Facebook Australia just it collects the revenue for Facebook international or whatever that body is right and so it takes the money from aussie businesses buying ad space and then buy and on the other side buys that ad space from facebook international Mm. and so their actual profit on that deal what they report isn't very much yeah right so they're not alone though like i mean this is not this is not just facebook and facebook ads Mm. this is multinational corporation 101 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Google, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, all the, all the, they're all doing this is the yeah this is the way the way it works, and this is why people are sort of a bit upset. This sort of this is one of the key factors driving the the government's media bargaining code and that sort of push we we covered yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier in the year, mm. um, saying that yeah they, they they derive a lot of value from the Australian market and contribute very little back in return, mm. um, and the numbers this you know this year paint a similar story and and you know, I think people see those numbers see how much revenue you know companies are making out of you know Google's numbers are crazy like there's a billion dollars in revenue out of Australia and five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in tax paid or something like that yeah so, well I think I read somewhere that Amazon pays zero dollars in tax in the US mm. it's like it's just it's incredible I think it's funny like like you mentioned Netflix I think you, you rattled off Netflix in there somewhere but it, we get upset about them not paying enough tax, and yet we're all sharing subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the studies. There's five. There's five hundred. What was it? Five hundred thousand um, subscribers in that in in Australia, and 11, 11 million users. Eleven million viewers. Yeah. Five, five million. Five million subscribers and eleven million users. Yeah, yeah. I need the multi-screen <laughs> viewing one. Yeah. <laughs> How many? Yeah, it's like because because I think. There's another service that I use, which which offers, I think, up to three screens. But like, they, you, you can choose. You can have one screen, two screens, or three screens. And this is a sports service. <laughs> There's only ever one screen of sport going on in my house. But the pricing gets more competitive as you add more screens. So <laughs> you know, you do the maths. Get a couple of mates. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it was funny. Did you see? Uh, we're talking about ad revenue. Did you see the FA Cup final by any chance? Did you? No, no, <laughs> the English I FA Cup final. Um, all of a sudden, on the on the advertising billboard on the side was a uh, was an advertisement the, the length of the pitch on the digital advertising for Edith Cowan University. What was that? And everyone was like, everyone saw it. And they're like, what the hell is Edith Cowan Uni doing advertising at the FA Cup final? Like, this is normally reserved for the kind of Nikes of the world, you know, massive yeah. corporations. It's <laughs> it's English football's showpiece at the FA Cup final. And there's, this, <laughs> there's Edith Cowan Uni. Like, I don't know, tough climate to be attracting international students, I would have thought. <laughs> um but it turns out they just got a really sweet deal on advertising. Just like email came in, just said, "Look, we we had someone pull the pin on their advertising for the FA Cup final. Uh, we've got a spot if you want it. You can act." And they were like, "Yep, we're in." Yep. Wow. So, because I think they're in Perth, aren't they, Edith Cowan? So probably yeah, closer right. to the time zone than the rest of Australia, at least. But still, <laughs> fair way off. <laughs> I don't know what their international <laughs> programs like, but yeah, they just they just opportunistic advertising they were just like yep sure wow. screw it let's do it bang for buck all right uh why don't we pause here we'll grab a quick break from our sponsor this week and be right back with more after this normally being a little extra might be a bit much but not when it comes to healthcare. that's why united healthcare's health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And don't forget, you can, of course, always send us an email if you like. Uh, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website equitymates.com forward slash cve we love getting your feedback and emails but thomas uh pauline hansen's been busy this week she has blocked some changes to responsible lending legislation talk me through that yeah this is this is an interesting one so i don't really know where to sort of sit on this one like i think um yeah so she's come out and said she's she's blocking these changes that the government's trying to be trying to push through Mm. and i think that's probably a good thing um what what do we mean when we talk about responsible lending yeah so there's this um national consumer credit protection act Mm. which has this has one of its provisions is uh responsible lending and this means that the banks can't lend to consumers more money than they can't put them in more debt than they can handle right and if they give a consumer too much debt then that's on the banks yep does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So a consumer. So it's it's a funny sort of structure in the sense of like if you if you falsify all your documents and lie to the bank and um, beef up your income statements and stuff like that, and the bank goes, okay, we're going to give you heaps of money, and you buy you know totally speculative, high risk apartment or something. Invest in crypto. Invest in crypto. Yeah, for example. Um, and you can then, and the bank gives you the money. You can then turn around, theoretically, under under this sort of regime. You can then turn around and say, like, look, you shouldn't have given me that money. What? That was that was irresponsible of you to give me that money. I clearly wasn't in a position to be able to take on that more that much debt. Even if you lied to get it, I think so. Yeah, the the, the it puts. I, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a grey area. Like it's a. It depends on a lot of the context, but it's the responsibility. <laughs> like lying on your CV. It's your fault. You gave me the job. I, yeah, I clearly wasn't qualified. I, I know I said I was. I know my references all stacked up and looked really good, but yeah. I made a lot of it up. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you fire me, that's unfair dismissal. <laughs> clearly, that first reference was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but it's it's why the, the the onus is on the banks to to check. It's why they need to see all your income statements and mm. go th- they go through all your details because they need to see that you can actually pay back the debt that you can you can take this on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and the onus is on the banks to to do all that to do those checks and to have the have the right measures in place um, because the 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 credit act as it stands puts puts that responsibility onto the banks. Right. So what's the so, change? Well, the government has been trying to change that. The theory, the you know, speculation is that at the behest of the banks, that the banks have been pressuring and saying, like, we don't really like this. We don't want to be on the hook for if consumers get into trouble mm. by taking on too much debt. We, we don't really want that, thanks. Can you change that for us? So the government has been talking this up and trying to, you know, making moves to push this through. The context is interesting because it comes after the Hain Royal Commission where the number one recommendation from the Hain Royal Commission was don't change anything in the National Consumer Credit Protection Act. Number one, 1.1, not just number one, 1.1. 1.1. Look, guys, 
<laughs> if you take one thing from this report. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's in bold. It's highlighted in a red box. The NCCP all Act should, all caps, should not be amended to alter the obligation to assess unsuitability. Right. Oh. So that was the, that was the number one mm. recommendation. But the, the government ign- has ignored that and directly gone against that and has tried to push through the changes to push the to push the responsibility onto consumers. That was a recommendation anyway. It's not, you know, like they just took the recommendation and they. It's said, a royal commission. Thank like you. if you get- thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your suggestion. Suggestion. It's a royal commission. The Queen's involved. We've had a lot of good suggestions. <laughs> we can't do them all, obviously. So thank you. Thank you, Hayne, for yours. Yeah, so when COVID hit, they, they they tried to push it through saying, like, we need to get lending going again. We need to get credit flowing. Mm. So we need to make it, you know, remove this red tape from the banking regulator. Mortgage lending is booming, by the way. It's at all-time high. Mm. So that that sort of, that motive, like, that rationale is to- has been totally blown out of the water. Yeah, and so they've been, but they've still been pushing with it. But then this week, Pauline Hanson came out and said that One Nation would not be supporting the changes. That, so it's now dead in the water. So they need the government needs three of the five crossbenchers. So One Nation has two. So they're out. The Tasmanians, Jackie Lambie and the South Australian Rhett's Patrick are saying they're not supporting it either. So it looks like the government's just going to sit on it now and yeah, right. wait till wait till after the next election see if they can get it through. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. It's an interesting one. There you go. She's from Queensland, wasn't she? Pauline Hanson? Yeah. Well, yeah. this ties in nicely to my next story. Um, hmm. So the Brisbane City Council are trying to get people to come back to work, um, fill the offices. They've joined up with uh, landlords, building managers and uh, and retailers in, a, in a, a push. I think they're doing, they call it a, it's a six-week campaign to try and get people to come back to the office targeting Fridays. Mm. So they've they've launched this thing called Fridays in the City, and trying to get they're trying to give people enough reason to come back in to the office on Friday. I I don't know about you, like so I go into the office on a Friday as it is at the moment. To me, Friday is an easy sell. I'm in there. It's like there's Friday drinks. It's usually mm-hmm. like casual Friday is funny now because everyone's working from home in there. <laughs> In their tracksuit pants and, you know, whatever, if they've even got pants on. I think Casual Friday could well be a chance that they are the most dressed up they've been all week. If they're they're heading into the office for Casual Friday, then there's a fair chance that's the nicest they've looked all week. Shirts tucked in. (laughs) They're wearing Wearing deodorant. They've shaved. Um, so yeah, the um, property council Queensland director Jen Williams said Fridays is turning the quietest day of the week as people work from home. I did read some other study that said it was Friday and Monday. Mondays I totally get. I don't want to go into the office on Monday. I'm no interest in going mm. in on a Monday if I don't have to. Um, but apparently Tuesday to Thursday is really is kind of the busier days, and then Friday, presumably because everyone's not really working from home on Friday, they're working from home for some of Friday. And then probably mm. taking fair chunks of Friday off. Um, mm. So they're trying to, they've come up with some incentives to get people back into the office, which mm. good idea. I think it should, should help people come back in. They're offering things like free breakfast bags. I don't know what's in a breakfast bag. They call it free breakfast bags. This um, is a bag of breakfast. Bag of breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like the most gourmet offering. <laughs> 
Can I get a doggy bag for that? Well, it's already in a bag, so. Um, free breakfast bags, coffee, uh, exercise classes. But she also went on to say mm. there are herb plants, juices, and there's even a psychic and tarot readers in one building. Ooh, which Wow. Um, strange. I don't know. I guess horses for courses. <laughs> she's just like, I predict you'll come back next Friday for the free coffees. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Do you, you? I mean, this this follows a move. I don't know if you saw this from Melbourne. Mm. So Melbourne CBD introduced FOMO Fridays. FOMO Fridays. FOMO Fridays. Similar sort of concept. Really? They were giving away free donuts. Apparently. Really. Apparently, that's that's what sells in Melbourne. Melbourne's a bit, you know, hoity-toity. They don't <laughs> go for breakfast bags. <laughs> But they'll take a donut. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, we know that sort of, yeah, CBDs, CBDs are still getting slaughtered. We know traffic is, is way down. It still hasn't sort of even made back, I think, for like 50% of, of its pre-COVID levels. Mm. So people are still just avoiding the CBDs like the plague. Vacancy rates for office space are through the roof. Yeah, it's still it's still still a graveyard in the CBD. It's pretty brutal. So it makes sense trying to bring them back. And bring them back Friday also. Like I think the rationale with Friday is Friday is is the day where is the day where people office workers will spend outside the office. Mm. So like through the week, you know, they might be bringing their lunch from home and they're going straight home after work. But Friday is the day where they go out for lunch and then stay for drinks after work and yeah. And so that Friday would have been far and away the busiest trading day for those support, uh, you know, shops around the CBD offices. Yeah, totally. So trying to trying to re-energize energize the Friday makes sense. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough sell. Mm. I think. Yeah, I'll I'll be in there. I'll be in there Fridays. Like it's not that hard. Is like for me, it's just like you can come in and get away from the house and kids. Perfect. I'm there. <laughs> so. Okay. And I get coffee and a breakfast bag. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Can I come in on Saturday? <laughs> Saturdays. Uh, all right. I think we'll, we will, on that note, we'll leave it there for this week. Thank you again for tuning in. We really do appreciate listening to the show. Um, love it if you could go and leave us a review and a, a rating on uh on itunes um hey oh big news massive news um thomas we've got an instagram page mm. now hey, i knocked, a, I knocked awesome. an instagram page together i felt like such an old man doing it i was googling <laughs> how do you set up an instagram page for a podcast or for a business as it were not obvious it's fair to say i think facebook yeah, right. could improve their usability a little bit a facebook owning instagram obviously um mm. but anyway we're up and running we're away uh, we have an Instagram page, so hello, fellow yeah. children. Um, yeah, uh, be posting we need to get some lots of your charts, Thomas, which uh, people have been loving on the Equity Mates page. So, mm. uh, yeah, oh, I've got hundreds, hundreds of charts. <laughs> That's not how I pictured the marketing campaign for the Instagram page leading with. <laughs> hey, out there, do you charts. like hundreds of charts coming at you? <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll try. We'll try and produce entertaining and engaging content for the Instagram page. I don't really know. I'm quite new to this whole space. I, I haven't. Have you got? Have you got Instagram? Uh, no, not yet. But I do aspire to be a finfluencer. A finfluencer. Yeah, that's what, what an influencer in the fintech space is called. Mm, finfluencer. I think of some other names for it. 
Uh, anyway, so check that out. Uh, check out all the great other great shows across Equity Mates Media, of course. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks again for your company. We'll see you again next week. This podcast proudly brought to you by Equity Mates Media. Always remember, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to our disclaimer page where you can find resources to search for a registered financial professional near you.